Morning. Morning. Okay, uh, just quickly, a little question for you, and um, you can discuss this among yourselves. On a scale of 1 to 10, how complicated is your life? <laughs> just have a chat with the people next to you. Some of you are wishing that there was more numbers than 10. Okay. So, um, hands up if you said 10. Okay, so we got one 10 at the back. Who was a nine? Okay. Uh, hang on, these are the people who don't have children as well. <laughs> I mean, how's this working? <laughs> so, life can be complicated, yeah? Well, this morning, um, I'm going to do something that I don't usually do, which is I'm going to share on a number of passages from the Bible, but uh, my topic is one thing, okay? And um, I don't know, just to make you jealous at the beginning, um, you're enjoying spring. It's nice and warm, isn't it? That was sarcasm, by the way. Okay. So, last Sunday, it was... 38 degrees where I was, and um, I was baptizing people in the Indian Ocean. And it's the only time I've ever done a baptism where the sea did the baptism for me. So we had seven people lined up, and the waves were so big. They were absolutely crazy, this church. We were uh, in, the, in the sea, and we waded in. The waves were just coming in, like, you know, surfing, proper surfing waves. And we were lining them up, and then you just, halfway through there, yes, I believe in Jesus, bang, okay, that's done. <laughs> Um, so I was having a lot of fun last week, um, and I, I managed to survive about 10 days in India without getting any stomach upset at all. Um, so curry for breakfast, curry for lunch, curry in the evening, um, and then I come back and my first English meal, instant gastroenteritis. So, um, so anyway, I don't know what it was. Maybe I just got used to curry. Maybe I should go back, eh? Uh, sounds like fun, doesn't it? Anyway, and um, shall I get rid of this? The size and the shape of my ears, that's the problem, I think. Are you looking suspiciously at my ears? Yeah. Okay. Can you hear me all right? That's good. So I had a, a fantastic time working with a church or a number of churches out in India in Karkinada, which is on the East Coast. And um, I'll talk a little bit more about that as we go. Um, but I want this morning just to talk about... Um, let me, let me start with Psalm 27. If you've got a Bible, you might find it useful to have it with you today. Okay, I'm only going to be doing one verse, one or two verses at a time, but um, I will be talking around a number of verses from the Old, well, only one in the Old Testament. So we're going to look at Psalm 27. Psalm 27, verse 4. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord 
all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. So David is getting towards probably the latter years of his life when he writes this. And um, age has a way of crystallizing what you really want out of life. And uh, so David uh, in his song says, uh, the Lord is my light and my salvation, um, whom shall I fear? And it's a big, um, a big worship song really about the fact that with God we don't need to fear. That fear and God actually don't really dwell in the same place together. Fear of God, yes, but that's a different thing. But um, someone once said, if you fear God, you will fear nothing else. Okay, um, And so David is writing about this, and in the middle of it, he just goes into this kind of thing, well, one thing I ask of the Lord, this only is what I seek, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, there to gaze upon his beauty and to seek his face in his temple. What a wonderful thing. I don't know, um, those of you who are getting older, getting on in life, and I'm not going to point any out because that's too risky, I'll get shot, but, um, but, but as we get older, we start to think probably a little bit more soberly about what it is that we really want I remember my father before he passed away actually for the last 10 years of his life I used to say to him dad what do you want for Christmas at Christmas I asked him this by the way not just generally um, dad what do you want for Christmas or what do you want for your birthday and the answer was always the same he said I want some peace and quiet boy and some congenial company and that was it so he was cheap um, but but actually that was all he really wanted what he was saying is I want my family around me and many of you that are older, that's actually your deepest desire a lot of the time, as I want my family where I am. But let me ask you a quick question. Just again, you can chat to the person next to you. What would make you really happy right now? Ooh, big question. I asked the men's breakfast this the other week. <coughs> what would make you happy? That <laughs> yeah, speaks a parent. <laughs> so, anyone go to volunteer? What would make you happy right now? Go on in. All of your family found the Lord. Okay, that is the longing of many Christian parents, isn't it? Yeah, I'm guessing, I can see some of you nodding to that one. Okay. Any others? Sleep, Sleep. yeah. It's a grandfather addressing a father. So he's forgotten what it's like. Is it? <laughs> he hands them back at the end of the day. It's okay. So... Um, there's, the reason I'm talking about one thing is because while I was in India, I, the Lord reminded me of something. I saw a lot of busyness, and I saw a lot of simplicity. And I hate to say that most of the stuff that the in-church was busy with, they have, in, they have um, imported from the West. Most of the stuff that they had, which was simple, came from the Lord. And there is something about, that is very simple about the way the Lord works with us. His love for us is very simple. His salvation is very simple. In India, you can choose from over a million gods to worship. Um, 
there are, goodness knows, how many rules and ways to doing things. But do you know the gospel is the simplest of things? Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Paul says, of, heart, of whom I am the worst. That's the gospel. Jesus came to save. And he does that really, 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 really well. With a minimum of fuss. And a absolutely zero complication. And the gospel is incredibly simple. And there's a passage in, um, in Thessalonians, Thessalonians. I'm not going to read it to you. But Paul urges the church to do one thing. And I have never heard anyone preach on this. He said, I urge you, brothers, to aim to live a simple life. Did that sound nice to you? Yet very often, when I'm talking to young people, we're talking about the excitement of Christianity. And it is exciting. Okay? Following Jesus is incredibly exciting. But Paul says, I urge you, brothers, to live a quiet life. Quiet and simple. So I'm going to talk about one thing, okay? I want to read to you from Mark 10, 21 to 22. And this is going to be the common phrase or the common words from all of my scriptures this morning. One thing. Now Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go and sell everything you have and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. At this the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. You probably know this story. The rich young ruler comes to Jesus and says, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus, first of all, has a debate about um, what, what he means by good teacher. And then he says, um, you, you know the commandments, do the commandments. There are ten of them. And uh, the man says, all of these I've done since my youth. What else do I lack? And Jesus says, one thing you lack. Now, you've probably heard me use this story before, some of you. But I heard this um, a long time ago, it was a, a college professor called all of his students, it was their, his first year students, it was chemistry actually, they came together for their first lecture and um, he, he brought in this um, glass jar and um, he had a few rocks on the table and he put a few rocks into it and, um, and he said to them, uh, my question is, is it full yet? And you couldn't get any more rocks in, so he said... Um, they, they all said, yes, it's full. And he said, ah, wrong. And he got a few more small rocks out and began to pour them in. And, um, and then he said, is it full yet? And they said, yes. And he said, ah, wrong. And he got some really tiny pebbles and began to put them in. And you get it. The next time he asked, they were a bit more nervous about saying, yes, it's full. Because he then pulled out a bag of sand and pulled it in, pulled it all in the gaps until it filled up. And they said, is it full yet? And they thought, well, you're not going to get any more in there. And then he pulled out a jug of water. Okay. So, and he, but anyway, he, he did this illustration. He said, so what does my illustration mean? And lots of people said, well, you can always get more in. <laughs> That's our kind of Western culture, isn't it? You can always get more in. There's always more time for something. And so he heard all of these suggestions for a while, and then he said, no, that's not the point. He said, this is my one lesson to you right at the beginning of this year. And he said, I have nothing more to teach you today. If you learn this well, then my teaching of you will be a lot easier. He said, unless you put the big things in first, you'll never fit them in. He said, if I'd put the small things in before I'd put the rocks in, they wouldn't have fitted. And when Jesus te teaches or talks to this rich young ruler, the first thing is he, he's trying to say to him, he's not against riches. He's just saying, if you don't get the first thing in first, then nothing else fits. If you don't put the important stuff in first, 
nothing else will fit. His prognosis of the situation that it is it's very difficult for the rich to enter the kingdom, not because they're rich, but because the kingdom has to be sought when? First. Not second, not third, not fourth, not fifth, but first. And one of the sad things that we are importing around the world is materialism in our Christianity. And that's quite hard to watch because it's complicating. And believe you me, I've watched it empty the gospel of its power when people think that actually Christianity is a way to make you rich. So this man said that he kept all the, depart- all the commandments and his response to Jesus revealed that actually he was deceiving himself. What is the one and the most important commandment that Jesus said? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And this man said, all of these ten commandments I've been doing since my youth. So Jesus said, okay, give all your money away. Ah. So you weren't loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Sometimes we can kid ourselves that we are fulfilling the little things, all the little details, but actually the main thing we leave out. And uh, sometimes you see someone who's really, I don't know about you, but some, when I really see someone who's loving the Lord with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength, it tends to show me that I'm not. Do you know what I mean by that? Absolutely. And when I, I watch some of the guys that I was working with last week, and I just think, yeah, Phil, not really there, are you? Anyway, let's move on. <clears throat> so question. Just think for a moment. Maybe close your eyes. If your jar is full of stuff, if you're not at that phase of life at the moment where you know, you're still shoving stuff in, is there stuff that's in there that shouldn't be that you just need to empty out? Be the case often for many of us certainly is for me. <clears throat> okay, next thing, Luke 10. This is a classic one. This is one of my favorite, pers- favorite verses because it's my justification that men don't have to multitask. <laughs> Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Now, it's true that focusing on one thing in life is less stressful than being worried and concerned about many things. But the one thing that Mary had concerned herself with was also the ultimate antidote to worry and anxiety. Because when we are really confident and alone with the Lord, then actually stuff does tend to run away. One of the One of the things I love about being completely alone with the Lord is his voice tends to drown out other voices. Now, the first thing that I need to do is to get rid of other voices. But when he comes, he tends to mute other things. Do you find that? He just tends to silence it. And that time of the day for me, when it's just me and Jesus, as I get older, I can't do without it. I just can't live without it. It's not negotiable. When it's not there, 
life doesn't work. And Mary discovered these things. So why was, Mary, why was Martha so driven? And we could ask all sorts of questions about this. You know, why was Martha rushing around? Um, and I don't know the answer, but I suspect it has something to do with this word competition. You see, if the Lord comes to your house, you want to impress. And so Martha wanted to impress. And, uh, you know, you'd think in my house that, um, that, you know, Caroline would be the one who's wanting to impress visitors. But actually, when people come to my house, I'm the one who gets stressed about cooking. I want to cook everything, you know, and I go shopping. And I think, oh, we, we need a bit of this. We need a bit of that. I mean, oh, that would be perfect. Oh, no, that would be perfect. And I, I tend to lose all of the joy of cooking. I love cooking, but I tend to lose it all because I think actually... I don't know that I think about it, but somewhere subconsciously, I'm trying to impress somebody. And now I might not know who I'm competing against, but actually that desire to impress someone and make them think that somehow you're doing a better job for them actually is a killer for our Christianity. We see it in churches, don't we? One church looks at another and we think, oh, they've got a new car park. I need a new car park. Oh, they've got a better PA system. I need a better PA system. And it can kill. I've watched it kill. Watch slowly the Holy Spirit move away from a situation because things become more and more and more and more complicated because our Christianity becomes more and more consumer. Competition is not a good driver. Let me quote to you from A.W. Tozer, who's one of my favorites. He also annoys me quite a lot because he's usually right on my case. Every age has its own characteristics. Right now, we are in an age of religious complexity. The simplicity which is in Christ is rarely found among us. In its stead, our programs, methods, organizations, and a world of nervous activities which occupy time and attention but never satisfy the longing of the heart. It was really lovely last week to be among people who had nothing because nothing got in the way. Let's move on to our next one. John 9, 25. <clears throat> he replied, this is, by the way, the story of the man born blind um, who Jesus heals. The disciples um, asked the question, Lord, who sinned this man? Or his mother or father that he was born blind and Jesus says, no, none of them. This happened so that God would be glorified. And he heals him. It's interestingly in the story, if you read into the Greek, I believe that it, it says that, the, that Jesus made him some new eyes. This man had no eyes. Jesus laid on his hands, not on the eyes, but on the eye sockets. He made mud and put on them. Genesis 3, the Lord took ground. And he made. And so Jesus laid his hands, put some mud on the man's eyes, laid his hands, and then took his hands away. And there were some brand new eyes. What a Jesus. What a Savior we have. What a Lord. And so this guy goes through. You'd think everyone would be excited, the fact he's got a new set of eyes. But the Pharisees were a bit stressed about this because it didn't fit in with their system of how things should happen. And so they're giving him grilling. And he says, look, 
They're, they're saying, we know this man is a sinner. Give glory to God. And, and the bloke says, look, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know. I was blind and now I see. I mean, that's as simple as it gets, isn't it? That is the gospel. The gospel works. Nothing else works. Religion will have you running around like a headless chicken, but it doesn't work. One of the things that I was watching last week, Hinduism doesn't work. It just gets faster and faster and faster until people's heads are spinning and they're tied up in the most horrific kind of bondage. And sometimes even Christians can get like that. You know, we get our latest thing. And, uh, you know, if I go into this and, and, and God will sort out my life. The gospel is a simple exchange. God's life for yours. Your mess for his cleanliness. It's free. It's not complicated. It doesn't need a certain type of praying. It doesn't need a certain strategy of words. You don't need to be in the right place for it to happen. You don't need someone to lay hands on you in the right way for it to happen. It's just Jesus meeting people. And it's simple. Nothing speaks quite like a testimony. You see, one of the things I've become convinced of over the years, it's not a lack of theology that stops us sharing our faith. It's a lack of a testimony. Because I know, and I've seen it in, in all of you guys, and in myself and all of my own church as well, when someone has a story, you try and keep them away from the microphone. The simplicity of the gospel, I don't know where this quote comes from, but I like it. The simplicity of the gospel is its awesome power, and the power of the gospel is its awesome simplicity. There was, uh, last week, I went to this church, I think it was on a Saturday, uh, in the slums, and you call it a church, but it was a room, really, and, um, and it was, had about 50 people in it. And uh, it was from the fishing community in Karkanada. And they all turned up, and um, the, the pastor's wife said, could you share something? And so I preached for about 15 minutes, and then I was left with a queue of people to pray for. It took two and a half hours to pray for everybody. And then on Sunday, I was preaching again in the morning. It was a building about this size, um, and um, there were 250 people granted. <laughs> Literally, I was on the stage like this. There were children around my feet. I couldn't move because there were kids everywhere. Okay, And um, at the end of it, again, there was the ubiquitous queue of people just wanting to have prayer. And, um, and this man came to me and he said, you prayed for my wife yesterday. She was healed. Pray for me too. He was there because he'd seen what had happened in his wife. Straight after that, a Muslim man said, I need Jesus. He heals people. You prayed for my wife yesterday. I'm a, I'm a gambling addict and I'm an alcoholic. How do I stop? They're confessing his sin openly in front of everybody and asking Jesus into his heart. Because they see what happens. One moment they were sick, the next moment they were better. Is God good? It's because he's the only thing they have that works. You see, life's not complicated for them because they don't have 50,000 different options. The reason it takes us so long to go shopping in the supermarket is you've got thousands of things to choose from, haven't you? And when people think 
well, I'll do it to this church or I'll go to that church. I might get a bit more from this church. I might get a bit more from that church. Or if I hear this preacher, it'll be better. We're complicating the issue. It's Jesus and Jesus alone who heals. Only he has the authority. And when they believe that, it's amazing how you often you see that authority demonstrated and showed. Just for a moment, let's just bow our heads. <clears throat> Lord Jesus, I want to ask that you replace our stories about us with stories about you. Maybe just in the quietness of this moment, we just want to ask the Lord to give you some simple stories about his goodness that will have you desperate to talk to people about how good he is. Lord Jesus, we know that you are amazing. Forgive us, Lord, where we complicate things. Forgive me, Lord. Lord Jesus, I ask for every person in this room this week that you would walk into their lives and they would have a simple story of how kind and gracious and good you are. Amen. <clears throat> We're moving on. Are you doing okay so far? Yes. You're not falling asleep. Okay, I've only got a couple more to go. It's all right. Galatians 3, 1 to 3. I love this one. Paul gets really upset with the Galatians. They're arguing about um, circumcision. And he says, I wish that those who are teaching to be circumcised would go the whole way and chop it off. I love the way he, he was really careful about his words, isn't he? So this is Galatians 3, 1 to 3. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Christ Jesus was crucified, was por clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by, leave it, by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish after beginning with the Spirit? Are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? So, I would like to know just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or believing by, by believing what you heard? It's just, I'm sorry, I'm going to keep going on about this. It's so simple. Jesus presents in front of us, just says, here I am, crucified for your sin, raised for your deliverance, for your salvation. Believe. Believe. Trust me. It's all you have to do. I mean, it's not complicated. Just trust that when I did it, I did it for you. Trust that when I died on the cross, I did it for you. Trust that your sins were crucified there that day. Trust that when, you were, when I was raised to dead from life, you were raised with me. And the life of the spirit that has always lived in me will now be in you. If you, Paul says this, he says, all you have to do is do that. And you can receive the Holy Spirit. But surely, Lord, I need to go and get a really amazing prophet to lay hands on me. No, just believe. But surely I need to go to a, a three-hour-long prayer meeting and tarry and tarry and tarry and tarry and tarry. No, you just believe. Amen. Just trust. Trust and believe. Wait and trust him. That's 
as simple as it gets. And he's getting really annoyed with the Galatians because they're saying, um, <coughs> well, I need to do this, 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 that. You know, they're, they're being um, taught by the Judaizers, people from Jerusalem that are saying, well, now that you're Christians, you need to become proper Christians by becoming Jews as well. So you need to obey all of the Jewish food laws. You need to do this, 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 and circumcise. They probably winced at that point. Um, but, you know, so many things. And Paul goes on in Galatians, he said, if you are circumcised now, Christ is of no value to you at all. I mean, these are strong words. Move away from the simplicity of the gospel and you're left with something that looks like something but is really nothing. I was talking to a guy in a church last week and, um, and you know, I, I, I don't live in the culture but they, they have... They, one of the things they've inherited from us is PA systems. Okay, uh, a, a room this size with a PA which is probably about five kilowatts. I don't, I don't know how big. Okay, but big enough, and they like to have it at full volume because they think the whole world should hear. They 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 got that from us, by the way. They got it from the West because they see us pumping out volume, and they think, well, that's the way to be spiritual. And the guy was talking to me and said, um, I've noticed that over the last little while, you know, every meeting there used to be prophecy and words <laughs> and healings. He said it seems to be just drying up. So the more complicated our Christianity becomes, the less power it has. Those are his words, not mine. And yet um, against that really, um, I had this real privilege on, I think it was on, it was either Monday or Tuesday. We drove up in the hills, about a hundred miles away, and um, and they were they basically. I met a young evangelist. I had, you know, God was just so good to me. I've always wanted to see cashew nuts grown in the wild. Okay. I, that's just one of the weirdnesses about me. Went into the hills and uh, met this evangelist. He's a young guy, 25. Life is being threatened all the time by Hindu militants. And uh, planting churches in the hills. And he's a cashew farmer. So he showed me all around the farm and, and it was just amazing. But when you hear him speak, he's just, you know, he's what, 25 years old. I wanted to drink from his words because he had nothing else. The, the church was, you know, a few sticks in the ground with a grass roof over the top. That was it. It's not massive. I think at the moment he's got 10 people coming to his church. But they're all 10 new converts. He hasn't got anyone else. His name's Elia Raj. Okay, if you want to pray for him. But people like him and Isaac and David, they, most of them have got very biblical names because they've renamed themselves as they've converted from, from Hinduism. During COVID, people stopped going out. And then the village that we were in, there was a tiger that terrorized the village and was uh, killing people. The only people that came through were the Christians. They just drove in on their motorbikes. They said, tiger or no tiger, we're going to preach the gospel. COVID or no COVID, we're going to preach the gospel. They just got in there and preached. And I met one beautiful elderly lady. She, there were five people that were converted in her village. And... Um, and the, the militant Hindu party, I think it was the RSS, came and threatened them and said, if you don't go, we will kill you. So four of them left. 
she was the only lady there. She was an elderly lady. She said, I'm not going anywhere. I love Jesus. And when she worshipped, the whole room that she was in lit up. No PA, nothing. I'm not knocking that stuff, okay? I'm just the same as you guys. But let's not believe that there's power in it. Where's the power? It's in Jesus. You see, add-ons help us avoid persecution. The reason for the add-ons in the Galatian church, the reason they wanted so many different bits and pieces of Judaism, because it meant that the Jews didn't persecute them. And I wonder sometimes in my own thinking that the reason I dress up the gospel so much for people is because I want them to think that I'm okay. See, I'm a disciple of Jesus. You're a disciple of Jesus. That's really what I am. But sometimes I would like to dress that up in a way that people, I think, I, I, I tell, tell myself that I'm doing it so that they can hear from me. But sometimes I'm telling them, I'm, I'm appearing in a certain way or doing evangelism in a certain way because actually I don't want them to push me away. I don't want them to think badly of me. I don't want them to think I'm a nutter. In the eyes of the world, I probably am. You know, Paul says, uh, we, we smell. To some with a fragrance of life, to others with a stench of death. You can't get away from it. And the Galatian church were tra- tra- changing what they looked like in order to fit in with the society that they were in. So that people weren't mean to them. Anyway, last one. Are you with me still? Yeah. <clears throat> Philippians 3, 12 to 13. Not that I have already obtained all of this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Jesus Christ took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus first took hold of me. See, there is one thing that you are guaranteed to have more of as you get older. Apart from loose skin. (laughs) Sorry. My ears are getting a bit more flappy as I get older. That's why the microphone doesn't fit very well. The one thing you're guaranteed to have more of as you get older is history. And learning to let go of our history is really, really important. Because history accumulates and regrets accumulate and nostalgia accumulates. And one of the things that I'm wrestling with and have wrestled with is if I don't let go of my failures and if I don't let go of also my successes in one sense, because they all belong to Jesus, then I can't move forward in faith. I'm, I'm absolutely convinced that as we go on with Jesus, we need to travel light. Let me say that again. As you and I go on with Jesus, we need to travel light. You can't afford to have regrets hanging around, things that you wish you'd done and hadn't done. I'm great at that, okay? Having them, I mean. Letting go of them is a continual challenge. But you can't also afford to have bad relationships hanging around. You can't afford to have resentments and bitternesses. Because you can't move with them. They tie you down, they weigh you back, they drag you back. Imagine for a moment that you know, you're trying to run with shackles 
around your your ankles. Has anyone ever watched the movie Forrest Gump? Yeah. There's just a brilliant scene in that I love. Um, I've used a few times in a preach where he's standing there with, um, I don't know what, Jenny, I think the girl's name is, is a little boy, and he's got all of these braces on his legs. And, um, <coughs> and these boys turn up and they start throwing stones at him. And, it, and Jenny says, run, Forrest, run. And so he turns and starts to run. But he's, and, and as he runs, you know, he's running away from these boys and they're chasing them on their bike. The shackles, just the, the braces on his legs just begin to fragment and fall off. It's just a fantastic scene. No idea how medically possible it is, but, you know, it's just great. And, 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 and then he, as they fall off, he realizes he can run. And the best phrase in the whole movie for me, he says, from that day on, when I was going somewhere, I was running. I think that should be uh, just one of the phrases of Christianity. From that day on, from the day that I realized that Jesus had forgiven me, from the day that I realized that the cross deals with my sin, from the day that I realized that my goal is heaven and that hell is behind me, way, way, way behind me, from the day that I realized that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world, from the, greater, from the day that I realized that no weapon that's formed against me will prosper, from that day onwards... Whenever I was going anywhere, I was running. Are you running today? Are you running? Because this is Paul's thing. There's a holy forgetfulness that is the birthright of a believer in Jesus Christ. Because he has forgotten or chooses to remember your sins no more than you can too. Because he has broken the chains that held you back. You can too look to the future with him. It's not a trouble-free future. But because he has forgiven you, you can also forgive anybody and everybody. So you're not dragging with them dragging them with you for the rest of your life. There you go. I'm done for this morning. Brothers and sisters, please you can. So they do get bigger. I think you're right. I think the more that we know of Jesus, the bigger we get. Yeah. Because after all, what is Paul's uh, prayer for the Ephesians? He says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he might strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, that Christ might live in your heart through faith. And he says that you being filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Prayer definitely works, yeah. Let's pray, shall we, in that case? Father, I thank you for my brothers in India and what they taught me last week. I thank you, Lord, even more for the scriptures and what they teach us. I thank you, Lord, that we can be 
single-minded. I thank you that you call us to be single-minded. I thank you, Lord, that you're big enough to occupy all of our imagination. So there's no room for anything else. Lord, I ask that even as we worship, you would overwhelm us with that sense of your presence and that you would become our all in all, our one thing. In Jesus' name.